G'day, and welcome to episode 113 of the Pack Heavy Podcast. My name is Hayden Thompson, and today, Jade Herman, who is the founder and CEO of Yogu, joins us to chat about the award-winning company that she has built, all in the name of creating delicious and nutritious plant-based yogurts. Now, during the episode, among many things, I talk with Jade about how she's been able to fuel her business with healthy habits and how those habits have helped her to build a trusted and respected brand in the local health and wellness space in such a short amount of time. So whether you're an entrepreneur looking to start your own business or you're looking to level up the one you're currently operating, this episode is for you. Now, before we jump into today's conversation with Jade, if you're a weekly regular to the podcast, thanks again for taking the time to listen in and send in your emails. It's always really nice to receive your positive messages, especially sometimes I feel like I'm talking into the void, even though I see the downloads coming in each week. But yeah, I love hearing from you all and um, I really do appreciate it. Um, Something that does mean a lot to me is a rating and a comment or a review on the platform that you listen on. Um, It really helps the podcast get elevated and um, make it easier for other people to find it. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, my name is Hayden Thompson, and as well as chatting with business owners and operators like Jay today, I also work for a packaging company located in BC called Foodpack, where we primarily help food-based CPG companies and processors with their packaging and their food packaging equipment. I guess we specialize in three specific areas of Foodpack. The first one is stock bags, which you could think of as a bit of a turnkey solution to getting to market. We also do custom printed bags and films, which is my favorite part of the business. I do say that each week and it's because it's true I um, yeah I really love the process of getting custom printed bags into your hands and we also do packaging equipment like Cipramac vacuum chamber machines flex pack band sealers and repack tray sealers and thermoformers um, now if you're looking to get into the market for the first time or you'd like me to assess your existing packaging program head on down into the show notes and you'll find the web, uh, food pack website there definitely have a good look at the website and if everything looks good to you um, head on down a little bit further and you'll find my email address and you can shoot me an email and we can pick up the conversation and go from there okay i think that's about it for today episode 112 with jade herman jade welcome to the show thank you hayden so happy to be here yeah glad to have you here thank you very much for taking the time i really appreciate it of course Thank you. Now, I came across your name and your business on LinkedIn, like I do for the vast majority of the guests that I have on the show. And uh, and I see that you've been in business for just on five years now. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, it will be exactly five years in March, which is really exciting. You know, I think that so much has happened in five years and yeah. it's not often that I sort of take the time to reflect on where we've started and where we're going and where we mm. are currently. So yeah, five years seems really monumental. Yeah. And you know what? I'm sure it's been a bit of a roller coaster over this period of five years as well. Like it has been for the whole world, but, you know, operating a business through the thick of it as well must have presented its fair, a fair share of challenges for you, I'm sure. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, COVID's been pretty well the majority of my existence in business. Mm. And even now, just with the shifts in the economy, it just seems like, you know, two pretty big things to Mm. to happen during one's uh, business. And, you know, we're still here and we're still, you know, thriving. So I feel just really grateful to be, especially in the food industry, because Mm. I think that, you know, this industry in particular, it's one that it's got some legs. So I'm, I'm grateful to be in this, this industry for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Awesome. Well, before we kick you off into the conversation on um, yoga, which is a business that you've built, um, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in East Vancouver. 
Okay. Local. Yeah. As local yeah, as it local. gets. Yeah, <laughs> local. I know. It's pretty crazy because I feel like so many people, they're like, where are you from? And you say Vancouver and they're like, really? So rare to find a Vancouver local. Yeah. So You're not yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Usually people have migrated over here from, you know, Eastern Canada, Toronto, or, you know, they're from other parts of the world like me. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, beautiful part of the world all the same. We love it here. And I'm, yeah, I'm sure it would have been an amazing place to grow up. Yeah. I, you know, I, I grew up in East Van and I live in Richmond now. And um, it's interesting because I do feel like I have such a a great feel for the city and obviously mm. some of the connections that have, you know, served me throughout my business journey have sort yep. of been cultivated like yep. since prior to starting Yogu. So I'm really grateful for those connections. But Vancouver is really great too, I think, just in terms of our demographic, like you know, we obviously created a plant-based product. And so plant-based has definitely taken off a lot faster here Mm. in Vancouver. Um, I was in Toronto back in September and I was actually pretty blown away to see how many people were sort of learning about plant-based options or tasting a plant-based option for the very first time. So Mm. I think that starting the business in Vancouver was really key to a lot of our success um, just in terms of where it sits geographically. Yeah. It's just sort of that volume of early adopters was sort of right there for the taking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. So tell me what sparked the idea. How did you get Yogu sort of like, you know, milling around as an idea actually onto paper and then in, how did you turn it into reality? Take us through it. Yeah. So it really started back in 2018. I had just graduated from university and, um, you know, I was really just considering what I wanted to do with my life. And I had a lot of different things rolling through my head. But, you know, I think I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm. So it seems really fitting to sort of see where I'm at now. Um, But I think also food has been something that I've been really passionate about. Um, When I was in university, I actually traveled abroad to France. And I studied in Paris for a semester. And honestly, just because I'm a foodie, I fell in love with the culture right away. Mm. I just loved that, you know, Parisians would go get their food daily. It's not like a weekly or monthly big grocery haul at Costco. It's Mm -hmm. like you go to these very refined grocery stores, you buy exactly what you need for a couple days ahead. And the quality of food there is just so top notch. Mm. And I felt like, you know, people were also very connected to their food. And I think that was something that I was really missing here in Vancouver. Mm. Um, I did, you know, frequent the farmer's market and I still do to this day. Um, But there was just something more there. It's just built within their culture. So Mm. when I moved back, I was actually very sad to be moving home. Um, But I had to finish my degree and ultimately just had to find my big girl job. So Mm. I was struggling. You know, I I actually went to Vega for a very short stint. Mm. I worked there in sales and met some really amazing people during my very short stint there. But I realized you know, shortly after landing there, that that wasn't going to be a long-term job Mm -hmm. for me. Um, And so I just started really tinkering away at home. You know, I had various ideas. I had a thrift store prior to that. I mean, nothing was fully like legitimate up until yoga. It was just like a lot of ideas that I was throwing out there and I wanted to see what stuck. 
Um, but I just started making a lot of different foods at home. I was really interested in fermentation at the time. And mm. I started making my own sauerkrauts and kombuchas and sourdoughs. And so yogurt was actually something that found itself on that list as well. And so I started tinkering away at a recipe that I found online. Um, it was very simple. It was a coconut yogurt recipe. And from there, I think it was really the challenge. Uh, the first batch didn't go very well. Um, even the second, third, like the first handful of batches were actually pretty bad, mm -hmm. but there was something about the challenge that really just like sparked my interest and my curiosity. And so that sort of led me down this path of fermentation. And I guess it would have been like a couple months into me just diving, you know, headfirst into all of this, that I realized that this could possibly be something that you know, could be a viable business. And so I started doing some market research. I saw that in Canada, you know, there was Yoso and there was Riviera. Um, but other than that, there were no brands that I felt really hit the spot in terms of taste and texture and ingredient profile. And because I had spent that time in France eating mm. really rich, decadent yogurt, I knew that there had to be a way to recreate that same sort of experience, but in a dairy-free or plant-based sort of alternative. Mm -hmm. So that's really how it all started. And from there, I got a commissary and I started, you know, sort of commercializing the product. And I got our first retailer, which was the soap dispensary on mm. Main Street. Oh, Main. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah. And uh it kind of just took off from there and it's happened really organically. Um, it's been a very humbling five years. We manufacture everything in house. So I never went the co-packer route, mm. which yeah, it definitely has its pros and cons, but it's also offered a lot of really great lessons. And I'm really happy that we did ultimately choose that path of manufacturing. Mm. Um, but that really feels like the bulk of the last five years, you know, getting to where we are in our own manufacturing facility. Prior to that, we were sort of bombing around from various commissary kitchens yep. and, yep. you know, just always struggling to find a space that had adequate amount of a footprint for us to really expand and grow. And so I'm really happy that we finally have a home um, that's just ours that we can now really expand and grow in. So yeah, it's it's been five years of a lot of just searching uh, and looking into the unknown and really just, uh, you know, taking it as it comes. That's such a good approach. There's a lot of parallels. So um, your this episode for everybody listening out here, like I record a little bit in advance. So this episode, Jade, will be coming out in a couple of weeks' time. But this week, I actually released an episode with Marissa Miles from Tree Island Yogurt on the Comox Valley over on the island. And there's a couple of little parallels between your business. Like she's been operating mm -hmm. for 10 years now, but they got started with the idea when they were in France and they tasted yes. the yogurt over there as well. Were you familiar with that story as yeah, well? Yeah, you know I've Marissa? actually spoken to them before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they cool. shared that. And I think that it it makes total sense. The, yeah. the French yeah. have a way of creating some of the most incredible tasting, high quality yogurts. Yeah. And um, 
yeah, I think they've done such an incredible job with their line of mm. dairy yogurts. And now they have some plant-based yogurts yep. as well. Just and launching it into the world that, now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the category is really growing. And mm. I think that we're finding that, you know, they're not just the vegans or the people that identify as plant-based. They're a lot of people that actually have like dairy intolerances yep. or yep who are looking to remove dairy from their diet for whatever reasons. So mm. it's just nice to have a lot of options out there. I think for so long, there was a lack of options. And like when I started, that was definitely the case. Mm. Um, I didn't eat any yogurt because I just didn't like any of the options. So we've it. really yeah. come a long way, which is really exciting. Mm. That's awesome. I noticed one of the value propositions that you really talk about on your website is obviously the probiotic sort of content uh, and the fermentation process of your product and gut health. And, you know, mm -hmm. they are some pretty core pillars of your business. And obviously there is a huge value to, you know, obviously our overall health when we look after our gut health. So talk to us about sort of like how you eventually landed on the key value propositions that you do discuss and mm -hmm. uh you know was there an element of market research there or were these things that were just intuitive to you and you're like no this is what I'm going to lead with mm -hmm. so I think a couple of things when I first started the company I was really I mean I'm I'm very much like a health health food nut mm. I just love deep diving into all things health nutrition wellness and so probiotics was naturally one of those benefits that just seemed like a no-brainer. Mm. Um, when we actually first launched the product back in 2018, not only were they in glass jars, but they were highly probiotic and medicinal. So there was mm. like hundreds of billions of live probiotics That's in cool. each serving. Um, yeah. But what I realized was A, that really affected our price point. So that wouldn't really be a viable um, way for us to continue on with the business. And sorry, is that because you were packaged in glass, just like the, uh, the unit price was too expensive? Yeah, there were a lot of things that contributed to Got the it. price point being high. Yeah. I mean, when I first launched, it was about $20 for a 500 milliliter jar. So one yeah. of those earnest ice yeah, cream yeah. jars. Yeah. And we actually launched into Whole Foods with that product, with that price point, which wow. was sort of mind-blowing because... A, I didn't really think that people would buy a product with that mm -hmm. price point. But what was very interesting was there was such a demand for it. But ultimately, I knew in the back of my mind that if we wanted to make our product more accessible to people, that ultimately we would have to find ways to try to bring that price down price point down. But for me, I'm just so unwilling to compromise on the quality of our products. Mm. So mm -hmm. we were actually also hand making our own coconut cream. So I wow. would take raw young Thai coconuts, mix it with the raw water. And so that was just like a very labor intensive, but very costly. So now we actually use an organic, uh, 24% full fat coconut cream, mm -hmm. which is from an organic and fair trade supplier. So, you know, still quality is top of mind, but I'm also not making it anymore myself. So yeah. that yep. really affects the price point. Um, but yeah, I think just back to your question about probiotics, because our price point even now is $8.99. So we have a 450 gram tub for $8.99. And I guess to give you an example, you know, some of our competitors, Riviera has a bit of a bigger tub for like 
709 at Whole Foods. I mean, silk is sort of like just under the five, five dollar mm-hmm. mark. Um, Yoso is even cheaper than that. Um, and so I really wanted to help justify to our consumers the price point because for mm. me, once you taste the product, it's really easy to be convinced after that. You're mm. like, oh, I get it. It's like yeah. a higher fat content. It's a decadent experience. It's more of like this, you know, Greek full fat skier yogurt, just sort of dairy free. And so, Mm -hmm. and especially because nothing like it exists, like we have to have that price tag associated Mm -hmm. to it. Um, There's also so many other things, as you know, distribution, all sorts of things that are considered into a price point. So I felt like the probiotics was not only beneficial for people's microbiomes, but also that added health benefit could Mm. really help justify that price point. And so we really wanted to highlight that. And I think one thing that makes our product so unique, and I say this because there's been a lot of talk in the US recently, um, especially from some of our friends, like the folks at the Coconut Cult. So they're another coconut yogurt company based out of California. And Noah also has very, very high standards. He really stands behind his product. And he's been doing a lot of testing on some of his competitors in the plant-based sort of category. Mm -hmm. And he's been testing them for probiotics and they've been coming back with nothing. Wow. So in the States, um, I guess what I'll share is that there are very little regulations that actually hold these manufacturers to their probiotic claims. Versus in Canada, in order for us to actually put probiotic on our label, we have to verify through a third-party lab that there is at least 1 billion live probiotics at the end of shelf life. Mm. So I just, you know, I I think that there's obviously a lot more uh, regulations in Canada, and I'm so happy to be creating this product in Canada but I think we actually add value to our consumers and they feel it. And I think that's another thing that really speaks volumes. It's like, not only is the product delicious, it's got that naturally thick and creamy texture, but also people feel really good when they mm. eat, eat the product. And I mm-hmm. think that's partly because of the probiotics, but also because we don't use any gums or fillers or preservatives. And we also don't use a ton of sugar. So each of our yogurts actually have less than like two grams of sugar for half a cup, Mm -hmm. which really doesn't exist in any other plant-based yogurts. And so that's been something that we've also really been focusing on because I think that for me, it was sort of a natural thing where I was like, I just don't want a lot of sugar in our yogurts. And then I started to realize that this was actually something that was super meaningful for people. And so now we're actually doing a packaging refresh that will be calling out those um, those key differentiators a little bit more, including mm. the probiotics, because mm-hmm. I felt like we weren't exactly screaming those key benefits to our consumers loud enough. And I think especially, you know, grocery store shelves are so crowded. Mm. It's really important to, you know, share what you have to say. And uh, we're finding ways to really uh, spread our messaging a lot more clear. So I'm excited for that. That is exciting. Uh, when is your packaging refreshed due to hit the shelves? So it should, we should be receiving the packaging in March. So mm. in the next month or so, um, you know, hopefully we'll start to see them roll out in April. 
That's really exciting. I can imagine throughout that process, you know, like there's sort of two ways you can go about it. Obviously, like a really clean label is something that everybody's sort of striving for, especially at the moment. And you've already got that. But as you suggested, like there are value propositions that you can discuss, like, you know, the value of a probiotic. And then there are some businesses out there that sort of talk about the things that their product doesn't have, like, you know, it's gluten-free, like the, the reduction sort of like sort of style. What sort of approach have you taken? It sounds so, as if you're sort of speaking more about the value of what your product can add to somebody's life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that something that makes our product so unique and maybe I'll share like what my vision has been since the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Like our my philosophy has always been like simplicity and mm. I mean that on all fronts, ingredients, but even our branding and our packaging. Your website is really simple and legible yeah. and easy to sort of like scroll through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so much of that is sort of just to really further share this idea of simplicity in the food that we eat, because I truly believe that if you start with really high quality mm. ingredients, mm -hmm. you don't actually need to add all of these other fillers, et cetera. Yep. And, you know, I've learned that a lot of that is actually to bring down the cost, to create uniformity, to create longer shelf lives, all sorts of things. But, you know, I really think that partly due to my me just being quite naive and not really taking no for an answer. It's really sort of navigated me down this road of trying to figure out how we can do things differently. And I mm. think that's such a huge core value of Yogu's. It's like, you know, I want to know what all my options are. And I also want to look in the gray area. I don't want things to just be black and white. And so I think that's ultimately what has helped sort of guide our business. Mm. Um, but just kind of going back to the packaging, when we launched, I had this vision of just a very simple, clean label and, you know, yogu sort of front and center. And I felt like the name sort of spoke for itself. Mm. Honestly, it kind of just happened randomly one day where I was looking at a bag that I had called Bagu. And I was literally <laughs> just having such a hard time finding a name. And I was just had this aha moment, yogu. And I looked it up. No one had trademarked it. It was <laughs> ours. And it just felt like it made a lot of sense and it yep. didn't need a lot of explanation. And something that we talk about a lot of within Yogu is that for us, it seems like Yogu is sort of its own thing, sort of like Kleenex is mm. known as like the tissue. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think Yogu is so unique that it's cool when I hear even people when we're doing demos or listening to friends and family and they don't refer to our product as like a dairy free yogurt. They just call it yogu because it sort of stands alone. Mm. And now what I'm realizing is that our packaging has served us so well uh, throughout our journey. I think that my philosophy and really sort of incorporating the aesthetics of this clean simple branding that was eye-catching and we have like the little squiggles that are mm. you know, sort of a nod to like your microbiome yeah um but it was also cute and we use pastel colors like no one was doing that back when we started this brand and it's been interesting to see just brands starting to really take on that lens and uh i'm here for it because i think that food should not only be beautiful once we break it open but also the packaging should mm -hmm. um but i think that what i've learned is that 
it's been great up until a certain point. And there's so many things that I'm not willing to compromise on. But as we've sort of rolled out into more conventional stores, be it Save on Foods, for example, you have to really try to attract your consumer or new consumers in a very different way. And so that's sort of where we've started to make those call outs, be it the lower sugar, the probiotics. Um, and we do actually call out the fact that we are gluten-free, we're allergen-free, mm. and mm -hmm. we're super proud to be allergen-free because we do manufacture in-house. That's actually something that is not common in the plant-based yogurt category because yes. often plants have tree nuts and those sorts of things. And so you know, for us, it really opens a big portal for kids and people with these allergies. We actually were just at the gluten-free uh, mm. expo in Vancouver. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. And it was really great to just hear that so many people could eat our product and the fact that it didn't have those top 10 allergens in there was just such a huge game changer for them. So it feels really good to be able to call those things out. We're also vegan certified now. Um, there were just so many things that when I launched the company, I just had no idea what we should be putting. And I felt like less was more, but what I'm realizing now is that that real estate that you have on your packaging is really important to convey to the, to the consumer, especially new ones, because when you're not standing there, they have a couple seconds to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure that we're really conveying all of those messages. But I will say that a lot of people have suggested that I sort of follow in suit with what others are doing. And that's something that I really have had to be very firm with myself on, mm. because I feel like, you know, we didn't come to exist in order to just be another yogurt brand. And I'm very much driven by the fact that like, we are different and I want to continue to lead with those values. And one of those values is really having simplicity mm. at the very forefront of everything that we do. And so our packaging is still very, you know, pastel colored it's very simple but it just now has these really beautiful call outs to just draw further attention to the amazing benefits of yogu that's awesome i'm definitely looking forward to seeing the next iteration of your brand and sort of you know seeing how you've worked to develop it and um tease you know a little bit more out of it too a couple of things come to mind um mickey talebi from ume uh are you familiar with mickey yes yeah yeah she she and I, she actually reached out to me like before she launched and oh, she was cool. like, I'm really inspired by what you're doing. Yeah, and got it. I've, yeah, she's just become a really beautiful friend and I'm yeah. very grateful for our connection. No, that's cool. So I interviewed Mickey on the podcast a while ago as well. And uh, you're absolutely right. Like she's a special person and she's developing an amazing brand and an amazing product as well. But there was something about your brand and, you know, her, um, the brand that she's developing as well in its simplicity that, you know, I connected the dots there. It's really cool that you guys, that you know each other and you've kept in touch. Yeah, absolutely. I've actually had many friends say to me, because I've posted about her stuff, like on my personal Instagram, right, and they were okay. like, I kind of feel like Ume is like a tofu version of yogurt, like yeah. very simple. That's how I kind of felt. Yeah. When I was on your website, I'm like, there's something about this that reminds me of Ume. Yeah. yeah. And I think also something to note, and I'm just sort of saying this anecdotally because mm -hmm. she shared this with me very early on, but 
like I used a graphic designer and I still use him to this day. His name's Christopher Williams. And um, he's a friend of mine who doesn't really come from like the food industry. I mean, he did nude vodkas packaging. That was one of his first, I guess, CPG companies. And he's Uh done other brands, but it's not like where his focus lies. And I think there's something about that design lens when you don't come from Mm. food Mm -hmm. and from what I can remember that was the same for Mickey at Ume she used a graphic designer that didn't come from food and I think it's really beautiful to sort of like interchange those different lenses that they have and I think it's served us well yeah, no, definitely. I will, um, I'll make sure for everybody listening that I'll put Chris Williams's, uh, link down in the show notes for you all. Uh, so that if you're interested, you can, uh, dive a little bit deeper on the work that Chris has done. Um, the other thing that came to mind when we were talking, so I guess, you know, the thing about food and entrepreneurship is if you sort of look at a sort of a reductionist sort of like view of it, it's kind of part art, part science, you know, especially with your product being such like a science-based product in that there's fermentation involved. So it's sort of like a scientific method, but then there's a lot of art involved as well, like a lot of creativity, a lot of sort of independent thinking to the way that you're approaching the business. Is that sort of inherent in your nature? Is that who you are? Or do you have to work really hard to sort of tease that out and into the business? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that the art part definitely is more natural for me. Mm -hmm. The science part was just so new. And we definitely have worked with our fair share of food scientists. Mm. But even saying that so much of our learning has been through a lot of failure. Yeah. I think that for a couple years there, it was consistently failing all the time. And in the moment, I was really upset and it was a really hard couple years. Mm. Uh, felt very defeating. But at the same time, they served as incredible lessons. And they've now carried us through to where we are today. And fermentation continues to show me and teach me things that really are very humbling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And for that, I'm extremely grateful for all those lessons that fermentation has taught me. I mean, when I started, like I said, I was super curious as to what fermentation was. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that when I first started, fermentation was on such a small scale, but ultimately as you scale something and as you start to grow into sort of the manufacturing landscape, fermentation is a whole nother beast. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really grateful that I've been able to surround myself around some really incredible people that also don't have that science background, but also just this deep curiosity and willingness to learn and Mm. to challenge, I guess, what has ultimately been done. I think for us, we had to reach out to a lot of experts who were ultimately coming from the dairy industry. Yeah. And because when I started plant-based was still so new, there weren't a ton of people that actually had the sort of experience that we were looking for at that point in time. And so we had to become the experts ourselves. And like I said, it was really hard, but I think now we're starting to really learn these 
valuable lessons that just really have served and will continue to serve us for years to come. And yeah, I, I actually wouldn't trade it for anything. That's cool. I was fortunate enough to have interviewed Karen McCarthy from Lumi Foods, mm. um, Blue Heron Creamery a few months ago. It was probably six months ago now. Time goes quick. Um, but, you know, her approach to cheese making uh, or plant-based cheese making is extremely scientific. And, uh, and, you know, obviously she's scaling a business right now, which is amazing. Have you been in touch with Karen at all? Yeah, I've spoken to Karen a couple times and I love her products. Mm. I think that she has this really beautiful approach to what she does as well. And mm. it's very inspiring to see where she's going and what she's accomplished. And her products definitely speak for themselves. They, they have yeah. so much flavor. They have texture that really resembles dairy. Yeah. And um, I just think it's really interesting to see these various evolutions within the sort of plant-based category. Mm. And I'm really liking that the sort of like fake meat era is, you know, subsiding a little bit mm. and it seems, or it feels like we're, we're headed into an era of more just like quality, maybe less processing. Uh, mm. Actually, I did like an ask me anything on our Instagram yesterday. And someone asked me like, what does the future of yogurt look like? And for me, I really hold this vision that the future of yogurt, at least in my opinion, I hope that there's way less processing. That's something that I've learned sort of over the past few years being in this industry is that so many people over-process their products in order for better texture, uniformity, shelf life, all of those things. And what they don't share is actually the effects that that has on the body. Yeah. Because when you really like destructure something to the point where the body doesn't recognize it as food anymore, like mm -hmm. that to me is a no-go zone. I'm like, no. And full transparency at Yogu, we don't process our yogurts at all. It's a very natural process. And that's something that I love about Tree Island as well is that mm. they hold those same values and that yeah. same sort of integrity. Yeah. And it's pretty interesting <clears throat> to even just think that the way that you process a product doesn't actually need to be shared on a label either. And mm. so I just think that there's so much that needs to be further educated to the consumer so that they can actually make like a fair choice, you know, mm. like at this point, they just are unaware. I mean, I would have continued to be unaware if I just wasn't in this industry mm -hmm. and learning about all of these various sort of processing techniques, be it homogenization, sheer mixing, that sort of thing. Yep. And of course it will create like a very luxurious product but for me personally, that doesn't fit within our core values. Mm. And so that's something that is a no. Um, but yeah, I really just hold this vision that the future of plant-based yogurts and even just plant-based foods in general, they, that we bring things back to the true form of that product, be it the tofu that Mickey makes at Ume, you know, that's like tofu that's been smoked. It hasn't been altered. It hasn't mm. been put through this grand process where you're altering anything, it's still in its true form. And I think that we've really just sort of lost sight of what food is. Mm -hmm. And so I want to see us like get back to that place where food is just 
in its truest form and we're not altering it to taste or to look or to be a certain price point because that's just all capitalism. Isn't it? You know what? You said it so well. Like I couldn't have said it better myself because I feel exactly the same way. Like we've over engineered and we've overcomplicated everything. And you just have to look at our, our food system and look at an ingredient label when you go into the grocery store. And even on something as basic as, you know, I was shopping for wraps the other day for the family and I just wanted like a good clean wrap, you know, and the first ingredient was like palm oil, canola oil. It had like soy in it. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like this just should be like the most basic of ingredients. And like, it does frustrate me and disappoint me, you know, for the same purpose that, or the same reasons that you get frustrated and disappointed as a consumer as well, because I feel like, and I do understand for the same, you know, reasons that you do that, you know, people are trying to extend shelf life. They're trying to drive down the cost of goods and so on and so forth. But like, yeah, the damage that it does on our bodies and for the environment is exponential. And I think that, you know, if we all take the same approach that you are at, um, you know, at um, Yogu and uh, the team at Tree Island Foods in terms of like really clean, keep it simple, keep yeah. food as as basic as it can be. I think that the end result on our health is just going to speak for itself. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that there's so much to say about these brands working mm. together to try yep. to create a more fair and nourishing food system. And yep. so like, I have to just be in full support and mm -hmm. celebrate those brands that are doing that because I think I've realized there's so many opportunities for people to compromise on those yep. values yep. due to whatever those constraints might be, but really holding true and strong to those values. It's, it's not easy. And so mm. when I see brands doing that. I just have so much respect for them. Yeah. Yeah. Hats off to them all. Um, how big is your team at the moment? We're tiny. We are a team of four. Wow. Okay, yeah. cool. And how long <laughs> did it take for you to sort of get the first person on board? So I had a few people help in production. They were yep. part-time help. Um, but it was actually, I guess about two and a half years ago, I was sort of at a crossroads. I you know, manufacturing, like I said, it mm. really is such a grind and it's so hard. And I really didn't know the direction that I wanted for yogu. I didn't know if I could continue to manufacture myself. I was mm. getting tennis elbow and I was pouring everything and it was just super manual labor and it was just me. Mm. But as the universe, I guess, had planned. I met um, a gentleman who's now my partner and uh, he came and he joined the company. And um, yeah, we are exactly complementary forces, uh, which is pretty incredible because that, is, yeah. that was exactly the person that I needed in my life at that point in time. And like I said, we're now partners um, in life. And I'm so grateful for the universe sort of bringing us together in the most kismet of ways. Um, but yeah, he has, his background is in plumbing. So he's very right. mechanical. Yeah. And yep. I remember him watching how I was sort of pouring my yogurts and he was like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> this is 
really just not efficient. Can I help you? And sort of things snowballed from there. And he has been really instrumental in sort of like building efficiencies within our plant. And he helped sort of get our plant up and running as well. Mm. So we make a really great team. And since then, we've added uh, two other key hires. So Nina, who's our director of operations, and AJ Akshaya, who's our QC manager. So mm-hmm. we actually just uh, completed our HACCP audit back uh, in Congratulations. December. That's cool. Thank you. And uh, AJ was extremely instrumental in that. It was definitely just a really beautiful moment to just see how far we've come. And yeah. I really believe that the fact that we're quite lean has been really instrumental in sort of where we've been able to navigate ourselves. Mm. And it's also just meant that we have this really strong bond and we all, you know, do all the things. It's not like we just sort of stick within our job description. Yeah. Um, And I love that about us because everybody just has, I guess, a very no ego and is able to just hop in and do whatever we need to do, whether it's cleaning production on a Friday afternoon Um, or whether it's driving around to do deliveries, like doing demos. It's it's really fun to be building this company with a group of people that also believe in this vision and Mm. that are looking for something more in life. And I think that's something that has become very meaningful for me is to be able to sort of have this business be this thing that Mm. gets everybody excited and we come together every day and we want to just create a product that adds value and that we believe in and that we stand behind. Mm. And it's uh, been really cool to just see this team flourish. Um, And yeah, you know, even in production, we still all help out in production. We really want to feel really connected to our product. And there's still so much that we can continue to sort of evaluate and evolve with within our recipe. And I think it's great to just have so many different perspectives all the time. I think Mm. it's really easy sometimes to just sort of like, be in the zone all the time. And so it's nice to just, you know, be able to see the blind spots when perhaps the other person can't see it. That's awesome. There are a couple of different directions that we could take this conversation now, but when I think about the people that are listening to this conversation, I'm trying to think about the things that'll bring the most value to them. And as an entrepreneur, especially like in the early days, funding the business, especially when you're bootstrapping the business is something that I can imagine would cause some stresses in life um, because you don't know necessarily, um, you know, where necessarily the source of funding is going to come from. And it might be coming out of your own pocket and you're loading up credit cards and you're like, holy shit, how long is this going to go on for? So over the five year period that you've been growing this business, have you been bootstrapping it? Or was there a point where you're like, I need to get some funding or did you leverage and access grants? How did you make it work? Yeah, that's, I like this question a lot. I think that when I, I think back to like two years ago, I was looking for how I might be able to sort of fund the growth that mm. I saw for Yogu. And I was always trying to find podcasts or read interviews of other founders and like hear how they did it. So I'm always happy to share this. Um, so when I started the business, I had like 15 grand saved up. And so that was sort of my initial funds to get things rolling. 
And then from there, I continued to invest every dollar that came back into the company. I didn't start paying myself until I guess almost two years ago. It will be two years in May. So Mm -hmm. I definitely was keeping a low profile (laughs) for a while there and just sort of, you know, living at home and just really trying to keep my expenses low. I even worked a part-time job for like the first year. And then it just became too much. So I needed to sort of make the call and just sort of dial back some expenses. But as I was saying, like, I guess it would have been about two years ago, I knew that we needed to grow our manufacturing because I recognized that co-packing wasn't the route that I wanted to entertain. But I also knew that manufacturing was quite capital intensive. Mm -hmm. So I sort of looked at various avenues. I talked to a lot of people. And I think one thing that really served me well, and that's also served me well throughout my whole business, not even just with raising money, has been just following my instincts and my my gut, if you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. Um, my intuition because there were some conversations that I had around raising money that ultimately just didn't feel good. And for whatever reason, I just, you know, they thanked them for their time chatting with me, but I knew that that wasn't really the route that I wanted to go down. And I think also two years ago, plant-based was like at an all-time high. I think like the very good butchers had just gone public then. It just seemed like Everybody wanted to get their hands on a plant-based company. And so I felt a lot of people sort of like coming to me. Um, But once again, a lot of those connections just didn't feel right. And so I was fortunate enough to have met a woman by the name of Judy Brooks. Um, She was actually very instrumental in Tara Bosch's journey at Smart Suites. Got it. Yep. So I met her and it was actually just through a connection of a mutual friend. And she said, you know, I think you should talk to Judy. She has worked in CPG. She knows Tara. She's worked very closely with her. Um, She was actually the the head of the board of directors at Smart Suites. Wow. And um, yeah, so I decided to give her a call and we are still really great friends to this day. I love her very much. Uh, she's been so instrumental in my journey and has just been such a great advisor and friend of mine. Um, but I remember talking to her and being very honest and just saying, you know, I've been having these conversations with investors and to be honest, a lot of them haven't felt really good. As a young woman, I just haven't felt like anyone has been seeing me as a founder and really wanting what is best for me. And I think just the ability of me being so vulnerable in that moment with her Mm. just sort of opened her up to like, of course, like, I'm going to help you. And I'm pretty sure that's what she said. It was like, I want to help you. Like, can we start now? And, you know, I had to trust this person. I mean, I, but I knew once again, it was like a gut feeling of like, this feels right. This feels very different and refreshing to any Mm -hmm. of those other conversations that I've had. So that was a really pivotal moment for me. Um, We ended up doing sort of like a, a friends and family round 
of 250K. So that's the only investment that we've ever done. Um, Outside of that, I was able to get a loan from Van City to build out our manufacturing plant. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've had some other loans along the way. We've had credit cards, we've had lines of credit, all those sorts of things. We're currently working on a working capital loan with BDC. So there's a lot of options. And I think the whole fundraising piece for me was really eye-opening. It really got me grounded in what I'm looking for within Mm. this organization. I think that, like I said, two years ago, there was so much sort of commotion around plant-based and all of these companies transacting. And it just felt like a little bit overwhelming, but I'm so happy that I really trusted my gut on that one. And for me, it's really important for me to have that control within my Mm. company. Yeah. You don't want to Um, give it away. Yeah. And I think I've really had to look at what is my vision for Yogu and, you know, it does continue to sort of evolve because I think who I was five years ago is very different to who mm-hmm. I am today. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, I'm really just trying to build a sustainable business that has legs and that's profitable and that actually contributes to once again, like a more fair and equitable and healthy food system. And I think that, as long as I'm in the driver's seat, making sure that those decisions and my values are always executed, then I'll have no problems. I think mm. where the the muddy waters comes is when you take on too, in, too much investment and then you have all of these very different perspectives and very different views. And obligations. And you're trying yeah. to sort of have this one outcome of money. Mm. Like I think that can really sort of it can dilute that vision. And for me, I hold a very strong vision and um, yeah, I'm so, so, so grateful for all of those connections that I made and for trusting Judy in that moment. Cause like I said, she's, she's an advisor of mine today. She's really just been a person that I can lean on and trust. And I Mm. think that was a hard thing for me to find within the business world. Um, You know, there, it's nothing to say about, you know, men, but I'm, it's, it's a man's world in sort of this, this landscape of the food industry as well. And it was really refreshing to just find a woman that really saw me as the person that I am and also didn't take, want to take advantage of me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Every relationship has to be the right fit. You know, you have to find the right person for you and the right person that you can trust will guide you. And like you suggested, have your best interest at heart. And um, yeah, no, I hear you totally. You know, you also said an interesting thing that like over the five year period and journey of yoga, you've, you're a different person than you were back at day one. Um, What are some of the most pivotal moments that you would suggest um, upon reflection were some of the greatest moments of growth for you Hmm. or offered the greatest moments of growth? Yeah. So when I started the company, I was 25. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm 29 now. Yep. Um, and I just think back to who I was at 25. I mean, I graduated university. I was still living at home, like, you know, just a very different lens. And um, yeah, I think that in business, it really 
is a great, um, a great resource for personal development. Mm. Like I truly think that my own personal evolution and development has been expedited through having a business. It's mm. thrown me some curveballs, and yeah, I'm so grateful for every lesson. And I think if I were to think of one really pivotal moment that offered a lot of growth, um, would be, like I said, during those moments where we were trying to figure out fermentation and we had to throw away batches and we Mm. lost money. I mean, I think it really just gave me this other view of money as well. Like for me, I, I don't really, obviously, yes, you need money like to survive. And like I said, I want to create like a profitable business at the end of the day, but outside of that, like it's so much of the journey. And I think that that's something that I will continue to just value. Mm. And I think that just being in those moments where you're kind of just like, so like, would I rather have a bunch of money right now? Or would I rather have all of these incredible lessons? Like I would take those lessons any day and also just the relationships and really finding out who those people are that are going to be with you during those hard times. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's, it's really easy to be optimistic when things are going really good. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing I've learned about myself is that I have an ability to just stay cool, calm, collected all the time. Because for me, I always know that everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to. You're going to find a solution. Yeah. Yeah. So there's really no point getting stressed out about something that really shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been a really great lesson for me is to just not sweat anything because it's either going to serve as a lesson. You might fail. So what? you know, like it is what it is. You're going to win regardless. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, Mitch Jacobson from Rovita Energy Tea in Calgary. I follow him on LinkedIn. You probably do too, because we're all part of the same community, but he said something interesting the other day, because um, like you, um, they've built their own facility or they're still in the process of building out a huge line right now. And, uh, and, you know, with that has provided a heck of a lot of challenges for them. And they just had their line go down the other day. And he wrote a really interesting post where he said, one of the most greatest pieces of advice that he was given was in those most challenging times, rather than let it stress you out, work the problem, just put your head down and just work the problem and you will find a way through it. I thought that was a cool piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe one thing I'd add to that, because this is something that I've been really reflecting on lately is that every, everything's an opportunity Mm. for your own personal growth. Like Mm -hmm. when shit's hitting the fan, that is an opportunity for me to get closer to myself, to become more compassionate, to become more patient, to, Mm -hmm. you know, just to really exude all the qualities that I want to see in this world. And like I said, it's easy when things are going great, but like when things (coughs) don't go great, are you still able to keep that, that composure and to really be able to be conscious enough to, look back and be like, yeah, I dealt with that really well. So for me, they're just great lessons. And I'm just grateful to be on this entrepreneurial journey. Cause like, I don't think I'd be getting these lessons if I was just working at an office. That's so funny. I'm laughing right now because like you could replace the word entrepreneurship with parenting 
you know, yeah. it's it's like things are great as a parent when, you know, the kids are awesome and they're fed and they're not tired and, you know, but it's when shit's hitting the fan that you are challenged and you're tired and you learn a lot about yourself in those moments of, you know, yeah. of high stress. It's like, what kind of parent do I want to be? You could say, what kind of entrepreneur, what kind of business leader do I want to be? So yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of parallels. It's like anything. Um, I can't remember who said it, but it's like, know the way broadly and no, what is it? Know, know the topic broadly and see the way in all things. It's kind of like, you know, there are parallels in life for sure. Yes. That's interesting. Uh, hey, listen, if we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you'd had your best year ever, what would you have accomplished? For me, true like success these days is having time to spend with friends, family, and really Mm -hmm. cultivating, I guess, a work-life balance, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. I think that I've worked so hard over the past five years. And I'm now that I have more of a support system at work, a team it's been much easier for me to take that time. And I didn't realize until I had it again, that that was really, really important for me. And I think that it's something that for me is what I want to cultivate more of in my life. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Beautiful. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been great. Thank you, Hayden. Appreciate it. No worries. If anybody wanted to reach out and get into contact with you or learn a little bit more about Yugu, what's the best way to go about it? So a couple avenues would be our Instagram at yogu.foods or my personal Instagram at Jade Herman. Lovely. Well, thank you very much. Once again, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Okay, that's it for episode 113 with Jade Herman. Now, if you have any questions or comments, the best place to go is to LinkedIn where I post up each week's episode on my profile. Just scroll on down into the show notes and you will find all of the links there. And if you have any questions around what I can do to help with your packaging or packaging equipment at Foodpack, feel free to shoot me an email. And my email address is also down in the show notes too. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review on your chosen platform. And finally, if you know someone who might benefit from listening to the show, please share it with them. It'll mean the world to me and I'm sure they'll get a lot out of it and thank you for it too. So thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week for episode 114 with Sheena Russell from Made Local. Cheers. Cheers.